I told you all on Friday what I thought was going to happen. I told you that Christopher Ray is not to be trusted, and I told you what I thought the Republicans should do if he pulled this sort of uh, chicanery, and they didn't do what I said. And everything I said that could happen came to pass. Hi, everyone. I'm Jamie Dury, and welcome to another episode of the Jamie Dury Show podcast. If you've not already done so, please subscribe to the show, and you can do so in one of several easy ways. You can either download the free Podbean app from your Google Play Store or your iTunes App Store. Podbean is our hosting service. And you could search out the Jamie Dury Show there on that app and subscribe that way, or you can uh, leave comments or reviews there. We Always need plenty more of both. Give us a five-star review. We try and do a good job for you. If you would prefer, however, to use your native podcast aggregator app, depending which device you use, you could simply search out The Jamie Dury Show in those native podcast aggregator apps. The Apple app is a great one, and you can listen to the show that way, leave reviews, comments, uh, whichever way you subscribe. You'll be notified whenever a new episode is uploaded and you can stay in contact with us. Please recommend us to your friends and share the podcast with them. As always, if you'd like to contact me directly, you can do so at jamiedury1776 at gmail.com. That's jamiedury1776 at gmail.com. So what is it of which I speak when I talk about what the Congress should have done and what the FBI did. Well, if you're a regular listener of this show, you know, and if you're a student of the news, you know that there is a whistleblower that the FBI has. They have identified this person. This person now we know has been uh, an informant with the FBI for over 10 years and has received money for his cooperation with the FBI and the providing of information in amounts in excess of six figures. That's a considerable sum of money. And he has provided information that Joe Biden, when he was vice president, was engaged in an influence peddling scheme, meaning he received money in order to shape or make certain policy decisions favorable to either the Entities for whom he made these decisions, or the entities who paid him, or favorable to people who had an interest in those entities having uh, preferential treatment uh, of a financial nature. In other words, he got paid. He got paid to act in a manner which was not in the best interest of the United States. Now, a real extreme way of putting that would be treason. Uh, A mild way of putting it would be pay-for-play, corruption, or bribe-receiving. Now, believe it or not, I listen to talk radio in the mornings now more than I ever did. Now, why is that? Well, because I can only spend so much time in a day listening to talk radio. It's a valuable source of information. As I said, we have to fight to make sure that we keep AM radios in our cars. But... um, I was listening this morning because I no longer have my my uh, favorite Rush Limbaugh to listen to any anymore since God called him home, and he was the best of the best on the radio. No one was as prepared as him. No one had his depth 
of analysis or his insight. And it didn't take me long before I soured on the two clowns that took his place, because they've already been spewing anti-Trump rhetoric and uh, being part of the rhino cult. They, they've really, um, they've really disappointed me. So I found a new voice. I used to listen to the Bernie and Sid show in the morning. Uh, ever since Bernard McGurk passed away, Sid is okay, but doesn't seem to really have it. Joe Piscopo, believe it or not, the man who used to be on Saturday Night Live, runs an incredibly good talk show on 970 AM here in the New York metropolitan area. And I really hope that it gets expanded and syndicated and taken nationwide because he really is very good as the voice of reason. And one of his guests this morning was floating the idea that somebody said that influence petting, although influence peddling, although wrong, is not against the law. That even though it was wrong for Biden to take money to do what he did, that he didn't commit a crime. Well, I wanted to address this before I even get to what happened uh, today on Capitol Hill. I think that's insane. It's absolutely insane. They say that we have to pass legislation now to make sure that someone can't do this. And if they do it in the future, they'll be charged with a crime. Well, I want you to listen to something. There are state laws in this country and there are federal laws. 18 U.S. Code 201, bribery of public officials and witnesses. Let's look at the definitions. One, the term public official means member of Congress, delegate, or resident commissioner, either before or after such official has qualified, or an officer or an employee, or person acting for or on behalf of the United States or any department, agency, or branch of government thereof, including the District of Columbia, in any official function under or by authority of any such department, agency, or branch of government, or a juror. Now, it certainly seems that the Vice President of the United States is an officer, employee, or person acting for or on behalf of the United States from any department, agency, or branch of government thereof. He certainly seems to meet that definition. Two, the term person who has been selected to be a public official means any person who has been nominated or appointed to be a public official or has been officially informed that such person will be so nominated or appointed. Well, when he was appointed as vice presidential running mate, then elected, he certainly became a public official. So I think uh, Section 2 pretty much covers him, but Section 1 definitely covers the vice president of the United States. Section 3, the term official act, means any decision or action on any question, matter, cause, suit, proceeding, or controversy which may be at any time be pending or which may by law be brought before any public official in such official's official capacity or in such official's place of trust or profit. Well, that kind of like would uh, qualify when old Sleepy Joe went over there to Ukraine to give the billion dollars in aid that Congress already voted to give them 
and then say, hey, you know, uh, this prosecutor you got that's investigating my son, uh, I want him fired. And if he's not fired, I'm not giving you your billion dollars. He said, well, you're not the president. I said, call him, which means the president knew about it, right? Well, son of a bitch, as Joe said. Next thing I know, he was fired. So you got an official investigation into your son, and we now know through this whistleblower document that much of the money your son gets gets kicked back to you. So basically, you've got, you used your government position and held a billion dollars in foreign aid over the head of a government official in another country as leverage to get the investigation basically of you stopped so that you could continue to reap the benefits of your position. So it seems to me on the definition of official act and who's a public official, we got the vice president qualifying. Now, section B, whoever, one, directly or indirectly corruptly gives, officer offers, or promises anything of value to a public official. Okay, well, that section is dealing with someone who's making the bribe, the person who's paying the receiver, you know, paying them to influence an official act, to influence such public official, to induce such public official. So those, that section, section one and its subsections, really only have to do with the person who was paying the Bidens. Let's go to section two. Being a public official, which we already agree Biden was when he was vice president, and certainly is now as president, being a public official or person selected to be a public official directly or indirectly, corruptly demands, seeks, receives, accepts, or agrees to receive or accept anything of value personally or for any other person or entity in return for being influenced in the performance of official act, like Kill the, the investigation on my son and me. Uh, that's a value, so I can continue to bri- receive bribes. Uh, and I'll give you the money that you're supposed to be given, otherwise I'm not going to give it to you. Or being influenced to commit or aid in committing or to collude in or allow any fraud or make opportunity for commission of any fraud. Or being induced to do or omit to do any act in violation of official duty or such official person. So... It seems to me, I, I could go on and read all of these sections, but it's really an exercise in futility and unnecessarily uh, time-consuming. Everyone with a brain knows that there are more than adequate federal laws that cover the solicitation of bribes, the paying of bribes, the receiving of bribes by public officials such as congressmen, congresswomen, senators, the vice president, the president, there's more than enough laws on the books to make what Joe Biden did an overt criminal act. It doesn't require a special law. And all this is, is Washington, once again, the swamp, playing the definition game, trying to make specific crimes. And so because he didn't specifically be named as the vice president in the statute, he's somehow not guilty of a crime. This is a crock of horse manure. The vice president is guilty of sin. If anyone trying to sell you on the notion that this was not a criminal act, it was not against the law because we have to pass a special law, is full of crap. The laws already exist. It's just like here in New York State when they pass carjacking laws. Why did they pass carjacking laws? You didn't need a carjacking law. Carjacking, what is it? 
robbery of a vehicle. It was already against the law. They act like before they passed the carjacking statute that it wasn't against the law to put a gun to someone's head, oust them from their car, and steal it. It certainly is. It certainly was. So why do they pass this law? To differentiate it from other robberies. See, they, they pass specific laws when they want to selectively enforce laws. So very wealthy people drive very expensive cars, and those are the cars that are typically carjacked. So they pass a law which uh, makes carjacking specifically a specific category of robbery so that they can now selectively enforce carjacking robberies. But when the little old lady comes in and says, I was hit over the head, my groceries were stolen, and my, my Social Security, I just cashed my check, it was robbed. Oh, take a seat over there, sweetheart. You weren't carjacked. You're not a priority this week. See, they don't do it to try and enforce the law. They do it so they can differentiate it from other forms of robbery for the purpose of selective enforcement. And they're playing that game here. So just wanted to give you that information so that you weren't duped into thinking that somehow what Biden was doing was not all that uh, cricket, but not really against the law. It most certainly was and is against the law. So what happened on Capitol Hill today? Well, James Comer, the chairman of the Committee on Oversight and Accountability, representative from Kentucky, said the FBI has, in fact, failed to produce the unclassified document that alleges that President Joe Biden was engaged in a criminal bribery scheme when he was vice president and that Republicans will now move to initiate contempt, uh, contempt of Congress proceedings against Christopher Wray. There was a May 3rd letter that was sent by Grassley, the senator of the, from the Senate and from Comer. I've already explained this in a previous program. The information first came to the attention of Senator Chuck Grassley. But since Senator Grassley does not have a committee chairmanship because the Republicans don't control the Senate, he doesn't have subpoena power. Only the committee chairman does. So he smartly went to another senator, I'm, I'm sorry, a congressman, uh, James Comer, who is the chairman of the House Oversight and Accountability Committee, explained to him what he found out, and Comer issued a subpoena for that document. Uh, but they said that the FBI possessed, they know as a result of this letter, that the FBI possessed an unclassified record that describes an alleged criminal scheme involving then-President, Vice President Joe Biden, and a foreign national relating to the exchange of money for policy decisions. Since that letter was written in May to the FBI, Christopher Wray, the director of the FBI, has confirmed that the document exists. But as the showdown continues to heat up, he's refused to release it to the panel. Now, no surprise here, the ranking Democrat, Jamie Raskin from Maryland, tried to say it's not a credible document and so forth and so on. They said that based on previous allegations that went nowhere, it's BS, and the White House is saying it's a silly charade. Uh, but there was supposed to be a meeting today with Ray to view the document. And Comer claimed that Ray confirmed that that isn't the case. Ray, all he did was allegedly acknowledge that the document is credible and that this document comes from a long trusted 
source that the FBI has used in the past, and it's currently an active investigation. That means nothing to me that it's an active investigation because the FBI actively investigates stuff for years and even decades and then does nothing. By the time they finish that investigation, Joe Biden will be committed to a memory care facility and probably having his rice pudding dribbling down his chin and his diapers being changed several times a day. No one's going to send him to jail. He's going to get not be held accountable for his crimes. And his son will get a slap on the wrist uh, BS conviction if he gets anything and be laughing all the way to the bank. Probably looking to take his millions and buy Jeffrey Epstein's former island so he can smoke crack and do whatever he does with uh, people that he shouldn't be doing things with. Now, quote here from Comer. Today, FBI officials confirmed that the unclassified FBI-generated record has not been disproven and is currently being used as an ongoing investigation. The The confidential human source who provided the information about then-Vice President Biden being involved in a criminal bribery scheme is a trusted, highly credible informant who has been used by the FBI for over 10 years and has been paid over six figures. These are facts and no amount of spin or lies from the White House or congressional Democrats can change this information. Comer went further and said that the FBI refused to hand over the unclassified documents to the oversight panel and that Republicans will now follow through on initiating contempt of Congress proceedings against Ray. Quote, at the briefing, the FBI again refused to hand over the unclassified record to the custody of the House Oversight Committee, and we will now initiate contempt of Congress hearings this Thursday. I think everyone should see it, and it's unclassified. It's unclassified, he said, so I mean it's not real complicated. We want the document. Now, this was another reason why I think the Republicans on the committee was smart to have Ray come to them and why Ray should not have been allowed to have them come to the FBI office and look at it. What's unclear in this article is whether where this meeting took place if Ray actually came to Capitol Hill. And gentlemen, speaking to you, Republicans on the committee, and specifically to you, Mr. Comer, if Ray showed up at the Capitol building and he refused to turn over that document and you did not have the sergeant of arms take him into custody and put him into one of those holding rooms you have downstairs and sequester him until he said, Uncle, and coughed it up, then shame on you, because you have the right to do that. You can hold him in contempt, and you can have him sequestered, and he should have been sequestered. This shit is going on long enough. Somebody's got to put their foot down. The goddamn FBI is not the end-all, be-all. They're not the supreme authority in the land, and they're not above the elected officials in the House of Representatives and the Senate. They are accountable to the House of Representatives and the Senate. They get to see everything. The FBI doesn't get to decide 
what they get to see and what they don't get to see. And especially now, it's not even a classified document. It's an unclassified document. By what sophistry of reason and on what legal basis can Ray articulate a justification for not turning over the document to the Oversight Committee? I submit to you, he can't, because there is no reason. There is no reason, period. Now, the FBI is continuing to try and spin this. Um, this a spokesman, I mean, according to this, what's supposed to happen is they're going to take up a vote, and it goes to the full House to see if contempt charges should be brought, and then they give it to the Attorney General, Merrick Garland. Now, you already think Merrick Garland is going to do anything with this? They just should have taken his sorry ass and dragged him downstairs into Capitol Hill and kept him there. That's it. Now, the FBI spokesperson called the move to go forward with contempt proceedings against the director unwarranted. Quote, listen to this. The FBI has continually demonstrated its commitment to accommodate the committee's request, including by producing the document in a reading room at the U.S. Capitol. This common sense safeguard is often employed in response to congressional requests and in court proceedings to protect important concerns, such as the physical safety of sources and the integrity of investigations. The escalation to a contempt vote under these circumstances is unwarranted. Really? Well, let me blow holes in this. This common sense safeguard that is often employed in response to congressional requests and court proceedings to protect important concerns, such as the physical safety of sources and the integrity of the investigation, might be a valid point of concern if we were talking about a classified document. The fact that they've unclassified this document indicates to me that there aren't many concerns about the physical safety of sources or the integrity of the investigation and to protect important concerns, because if all these things were present, the document never would have been declassified. It would remain classified. So when it's unclassified, it's in the public domain. So all of this happy horseshit is just that. It's a crock. The FBI is corrupt as the day is long. I only hope and pray that when Donald Trump gets back in, God willing, he does get back in, that he disbands that sorry institution because it no longer serves any useful purpose. It is corrupted beyond the point of salvation and firing every special agent in charge and firing the director and the deputy director is not going to stem the tide or eradicate the infection, which is now very strong. The FBI has to be eliminated and a completely new agency, even even if one is even needed, needs to be created from the ground up with people that had no prior experience in the FBI. The FBI, the sun is set on the FBI as far as I'm concerned. Now, let's move on to a couple of other things to talk about the radicalization of our country. And we're going to segue into a, a law enforcement issue before I leave you with a little humorous issue, which... Uh, might not be too humorous for the people who are going to be the recipients of my recommended course of action. But uh, on a legal front, 
in California, there is a plan afoot to ban police dogs for, for crowd control and arrest purposes. Yes, you heard me right. Assembly Bill 742, authored by California Assemblyman Corey Jackson, Democrat from Paris, and Assemblyman A. Calra, Democrat San Jose, was introduced in February to end what they said was the deeply racialized and harmful practice of using police dogs against black Americans and people of color. Jackson pulled the legislation from the Assembly floor on May 31st and will present it again next season, according to his office. Quote, the status of the bill was changed to a two-year bill, which is why it was not put on the floor for the vote. It's still an active bill. Now, this bill is being heavily opposed by many law enforcement agencies in the state of California. And if that law is passed, it will be the first state in the union to restrict the police from using canines for arrests and crowd control. What they want is that canines can only be used for search and rescue operations, detecting bombs, and sniffing out narcotics. Now, if this isn't an asinine, foolhardy thing, I don't know what is. I mean, look, police departments in the Deep South during the pre-civil rights legislation era, many of them were engaged in practices which were reprehensible, let's say. And they did things that probably shouldn't have been done and certainly wouldn't be done today. But we reformed it. Does that mean that the police can't use force? No, they can't. They can. They just couldn't use it as maybe as freely as they did back then. But you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Just because certain things were used in an excessive fashion four or five decades ago is not a reason to suddenly stop using them in 2023. Uh, Judicious use and proper use of police canines is one of the greatest advancements in law enforcement around the world, and particularly in the United States. Police canines, far from um, being used to oppress African Americans and people of color, are a tool that the police can use to de-escalate things. Most people, when they see a dog, become very cooperative. That means that there's not going to be a fight. There's not going to be a struggle. They say, come out, or we send in the dog. Nine times out of ten, the person comes out. Now, if the person doesn't come out, and they have to send in the dog, that's telling you that if you sent in a police officer, a conflict would have arisen. And if the conflict had a bad ending, you'd be looking to hold the police officer accountable. So this is not only something that is foolish from a public policy standpoint of view. It's foolish from a tactical standpoint of view and from uh, the law enforcement side point of view in terms of being able to protect themselves. It's a foolish thing. The use of police canines is a great way to de-escalate things. It's a great way to um, stop allegations of police brutality uh, by the, on the part of actual police officers themselves. It keeps police officers safe, which in turn keeps society safe. 
and it's something that we should uh, not discourage, but encourage. Since their inception, quoting here, this is from Assemblyman Jackson. Since their inception, police canines have been used to inflict brutal violence and lifelong trauma on black Americans and communities of color. It's time to end this cruel and inhumane practice and instead work towards building trust between the police and the communities they serve. I take it that his idea of building trust is to take all the weapons away from the police, let the people walk up to them, tell them to go screw themselves, freely spit upon them, and that will be building trust between the community and the police. Over 30 law enforcement agencies in the state of California have come out against this bill. San Diego Police Chief David Nislet wrote, Canine units are a valuable de-escalation tool that keeps our communities safe. This bill as written should not be considered. We are glad to see it is no longer moving forward and stand ready to re-engage if this bill works its way back onto the agenda. Los Angeles County Sheriff Robert Luna agreed with prohibiting the use of canines for crowd control during protests and demonstrations. He said he wouldn't support other restrictions, though. I would say it's time to get rid of uh, Los Angeles County Sheriff Robert Luna because canines are great for crowd control. I saw a video on YouTube that was, I think, from Jamaica, where this line of people were protesting, and they were threatening to overpower the police, and the police were lined up with the shields, and people were beating the shields, and by sheer weight of numbers, the police were being driven back. All of a sudden, a team of canine handlers moved in behind the wall of the police officers who held the shields, and the wall parted. The canine units were then sent through that opening in the line that the police with the shields had held, and then they spread out left and right to make their own line of canine units, and they began walking towards the people with the dogs firmly under control, either by the harness or on the leash, showing aggression, and you could see how easily these handful of police officers with the dogs were able to move this line back when the manpower alone could not do it. So that's another thing. Not only is it very good for crowd control, but it's also economically very good because by augmenting the human factor with canines, we're able to use less police officers and save money in a time when many municipalities and states and even the federal government are suffering deficits, particularly in your blue states like California with their nonsense with electric cars and um, other climate agenda nonsense and places like New York where people are moving away in droves. They don't have the money to foot the bill. You get a canine unit in there, he can do the work of several cops in terms of crowd control. If they had used those canines when people were ripping up Fifth Avenue in Manhattan in the wake of the George Floyd protests, which I don't know what uh, a police incident in Minnesota has anything to do with stores on Fifth Avenue in Manhattan, just an excuse to rob, justified by the liberals that run the legislature here in the state of New York and the city of New York. But these people were allowed to go in. The cops weren't allowed to bring in the horses, and they weren't allowed to bring in the dogs. You could have 100 looters in a store. You send in six dogs, 
you watch those looters run out like rats. And that's the way it should be. Got no business doing that. I'll tell you something else you've got no business doing. You've got no business messing with other people's property. What am I talking about? Well, it's come to my attention that there is a little organization out there known as the Tire Extinguishers. It's a far-left international group that encourages groups of people to deflate tires on parked sports utility vehicles. Now, the article that I'm reading from on Fox News says a couple different things. It says that they advocate deflating tires, and their website explains how to do it. But in Boston, 43 SUVs had their tires slashed by this lunatic group. Now, it's based in the UK. That I pretty much figured out because the word tire is is spelled T-Y-R-E, which is a a British way of spelling it, not like we spell it here, T-I-R-E. But they talk about how they don't want people to drive SUVs, and we've tried talking to you nicely, but you won't get them. Nobody likes these things except the people that that drive them. Well, I like my truck, and I'm not getting rid of it. And they even have the audacity to put pamphlets on your car stating attention. Your gas guzzler kills. You'll be angry, but don't take it personally. It's not you, it's your car. We did this because driving around in urban areas in your massive vehicles has huge consequences for others. Well, I got news for you, sweetheart. Trying to let the air out of my tires or slashing my tires is going to have huge consequences for you. And don't take it personal, because when I catch you doing it, it won't be me that's doing it. It'll be at the request and the behest of my vehicle, who has told me in its alternate life that it wants me to knock your head off and break your kneecap so you can't go around doing this type of thing to other people's property. You cannot take the law into your own hands. You are not endowed with any insight above that of legislature. You are not God. You hurt my property. You hurt my family. Do anything to stuff that I own, and you're going to feel the full wrath of it, and nobody should care about you. But unfortunately, the liberal DAs that George Soros has got investigated will probably try and prosecute the people who are defending their cars while apologizing for them. That's why you have to approach it the same way they do. You just have to go there, hood up, mask up, COVID, after all, and leave them where they are. Don't try and help them. Don't stick around. Bust them up. Run away. What else can you do? I mean, mean, you're going to let somebody just slash the tires on your car? A set of four tires on an SUV probably costs $1,200. Who the hell these people think they are? You slash the tires. Let me see if they slash the tires in the South Bronx on a drug dealer's car. They won't get a smack in the head like I'm advocating. They're going to get a a bullet in the head. Drug dealers take a dim view when you start doing things to their ride, believe me. But I guarantee you won't see many of them in the South Bronx. You'll see them in Midtown Manhattan on Park Avenue, maybe in Riverdale, but that's about it. You won't see them in the neighborhoods where they have a chance of really getting hurt. But they're out there, and that's the uh, name of the organization. Tire Extinguishers, and you can go to their website at tireextinguishers.com, and they're based in the UK, but they have claimed credit for tire deflating operations in New York, Boston, Chicago, San Francisco, England, Canada, France, Spain, Germany, Italy, among others, and 
most recently in Lisbon, Portugal. So these are the type of Looney Tunes you got out there, and somebody's going to have to take a stand and stop this because we, we are slouching towards Gamora. As the late Justice Robert Bork said, where lawlessness is just becoming the order of the day. Even little things that people say are not important are important. I see people riding their bicycles, these stupid city bikes that they have all over Manhattan, and they're driving them on the sidewalk. Why? Oh, well, the street is dangerous. Well, if you think it's too dangerous, don't drive a bike. Walk or take a bus. Sidewalks are for pedestrians. Some little old lady doesn't need to be knocked off balance and to the ground because you can't control your bike and you're driving your bike on a sidewalk, which is illegal. Drive on the street. Does that mean you drive a car and you're afraid of other cars? You jump on the sidewalk because it's safer? There's no cars there? This is the world's upside down. And the inmates are running the prison or the lunatics are running the asylum. Six and one half dozen the other. Take your pick. We're in trouble, folks. We're in trouble. 2024 can't get here soon enough for me. And I hope the man is back where he belongs. For the Jamie Dury Show, I'm Jamie Dury.